This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Amen. Happy Sabbath, everybody. Happy Sabbath, everybody. We thank God that we have the privilege of coming together to worship a God who is worthy of all our worship. Let me welcome every worshiper here and let me assure you that God has blessings in store. Amen. We affirm and declare one more time that all the other gods of the nations are idols, but our God made the heavens and the earth. And so as we come, we know that we are in the presence of the sovereign one of the universe. We thank God for these days of prayer I think I need to ensure I meet with the preacher from last night. Amen. What an awesome word she gave. I thank God that even at 13 years old, she can be sharing the word of God. Amen. It is our, it is our objective and desire that at the end of these 10 days, you would have fallen in love with Jesus. Amen. Universal Pictures in 1989 released the movie Fields, Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams starring Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones. And Bertland Castor's in his final role. The movie tells the fictional story of Ray, a corn farmer who lives with his wife Annie and daughter Karen on their corn farm farm in Iowa. Troubled by his broken relationship with his late father John, who was a devoted baseball fan, Ray grows fearful that he will grow old without achieving anything. While walking through his cornfield one evening, he hears a voice whispering, if you build it, he will come. If you build it, he will come. He sees a vision of a baseball diamond in the cornfield and Shoeless Joe Jackson, who died in 1951, standing in the middle of the cornfield. Believing in him, his wife Annie lets him plow under part of their corn crop to build a baseball field at the risk of their financial ruin. That line, if you build it, he will come, has seeped into our culture 
and morphed into, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they will come. This has become a catchphrase of sorts for some who believe that you need to create the product, build the stadium, construct the school or the church, and the customers and the people will come. In other words, they argue, create a need where probably there is none, and all you need is a well-thought-out plan, a well-executed marketing campaign. Just have some good flyers, good promotion material. One of the greatest marketing gurus, David Ogilvy, said that great marketing only makes a bad product fail faster. Great marketing only makes a bad product fail faster. There's some who believe that the, the, the solution to us connecting people to Jesus is, is marketing the church and marketing what we do. But as we, as we get into the Word of God today, we'll appreciate that the solution lies in us as members getting back to the altar of God. And so as we continue in this, the fourth day of our ten days of prayer, we're looking at the caption, Rebuild it, and he will come again. Rebuild it, and he will come again. Again, let me turn your attention to our focus passage for today, 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 30. 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 30, the Word of God says, the New King James Version's rendition of Scripture, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. I read again for emphasis. Then Elijah said to all, how many? How many? All the people come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. This is the word of God, and I believe it. Let's pray together, Father, as we continue in worship with the study of your word, we pray that you will remove every distraction, you will arrest every attention, and may you use this feeble mortal clay to share words of truth, words of hope we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, neighbor, our focus verse for today is part of the epic showdown that took place on Mount Carmel between Elijah, the prophet of God, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asariah who 
eat at Jezebel's table according to 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 19. Notice, on the one hand you had Elijah the prophet, while on the other hand you had 850 prophets of Baal and of Azariah. Elijah versus 850 prophets. But neighbor, Elijah understood that though the odds may seem to be against him, he understood that God plus one is majority. He understood that, that he that was with him was more than those who were against him. It had come to this in Israel because the king of Israel, Ahab the son of Omri, according to 1 Kings 16, 31, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And to make matters worse, Ahab went to marry a Sidonian bride who was a Jezebel of a gal. This marriage, the Bible says, further eroded any allegiance he had left to God. After 27 years of marriage, I've come to appreciate, neighbor, that it is important whom you marry. Let me speak to somebody here who is courting or dating that it is important whom you marry. You can't just be thinking, neighbor, about tall, dark, and handsome. You can't just be thinking about hips and lips. You've got to appreciate that the person that you marry will have an undue influence on your life. That your spouse can encourage you to righteousness or to otherwise. After 27 years of marriage, I've come to appreciate this more and more. Now, you need to understand that I can be a very stubborn person. And yet I'm still amazed how that girl, Christine sometimes have me eating out of the palm of her hands. That sometimes after I've been caught up in her wily ways and the episode has passed, I said to myself, what just happened? How did she make me do that? You see, neighbor, it is important whom you marry because your spouse can encourage you to righteousness or to otherwise. It was amidst this spiraling, catastrophic spiritual apostasy that God called the prophet Elijah. And we see him, neighbor, he shows up on the scene in chapter 17 of 1 Kings. Almost out of nowhere, he marches into the royal courts without any appointment and with total disregard for any protocol and announces in 1 Kings 17 verse 10, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then he 
exited as quickly as he had entered. And never for three and a half years, there was no rain. For three and a half years, Israel experienced a dreadful drought. In her book, Prophets and Kings, pages 124 and 125, prolific Christian writer Ellen G. White says, and she describes it this way, she says, The earth is parched as with fire. The scorching heat of the sun destroys what little vegetation has survived. Stems dry up, and lowing herds and bleeding flocks wander thither and hither in distress. Once flourishing fields have become like burning desert sands, a desolate waste. Once prosperous cities and villages have become places of mourning, hunger and thirst are telling upon both man and beast with fearful mortality. She continues, famine with its aura comes closer and still closer because for three and a half years, as the prophet declared, there was no rain nor dew. But let me propose, neighbor, that the, the, the issue, the, 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 the greatest challenge was not the physical drought, but the spiritual drought that had gripped the nation. Because God's people had forsaken him, and now they were so thirsty and faith depleted. And so at the beginning of chapter 18, in the third year of the drought, God told Elijah, 1 Kings 18, 17 to, to, to 19, God says to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, in that you have, notice, forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now, therefore, verse 19, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Azariah who eat at Jezebel's table. And the narrative continues in verses 20 and 21. So Ahab sent for the children of Israel and gathered all the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered not a word. Now, neighbor, I want you to note the binary nature of their choice. It's either God or Baal. There was no middle ground. There was no, let me use a word that's been used today. There was no fluidity. It's either you are on God's side or on the side of Baal. And let me propose that even in 2022 and uh, 2023, rather, when it comes to spiritual matters, there is no middle ground. Jesus says you are either for him or against him. There is no neutral place or ground for you and I to stand or sit. 
And so here the prophet calls them to Mount Carmel. Now, now what is interesting, Joe, about Mount Carmel as, as a place for this encounter, it was very fitting because, watch this, Mount Carmel lay between Israel and Phoenicia, and it was the lands of the Baal. Mount Carmel was regarded as Baal's sacred dwelling. In other words, Mount Carmel was home turf for Baal. Here it was that a prophet decided to meet him or have the showdown on his home turf. The reality is that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and there is no place on this earth that God does not have access to. However, Elijah's convening of this showdown on Mount Carmel served not only to expose the false god Baal, but also, watch this, to bring back the compromising congregation to the altar of God, to bring God's people back to his worship, true worship. You see, due to the evil influence of Ahab and his Jezebel of a wife, the people were faltering. They were limping between two opinions. Because of uh, Ahab and, and Jezebel, they were trying, the people that is, to serve both Yahweh and Baal. They're trying to serve both God and Baal. And it is interesting that even in 2023, there are those in the body of Christ who are trying to play uh, in the river on the bank. Or rather, try to have one foot in the river and one foot on the bank. Listen, neighbor, you're either on the bank with Jesus or in the river with the devil. They're trying to, to have it both ways. I'm reminded of a story I heard that happened during the, uh, the, the, the Civil War. I can't authenticate it if it actually happened, but a very interesting story of a man who decided, a soldier who decided that he was going to wear a uniform where the top would be blue and the pants would be gray. You see, the blue uniform then uh, rep represented the, 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 the Union Army while the gray represented the Confederate army. And the man thought, well, if I just wear the, the, the top of the Union army and, and the bottom of the Confederate army, I'll be fine. The story says that the, the Union soldiers shot him in the pants, while the Confederate soldiers shot him in the torso. There's some folks, they're trying to have it both ways, but when it comes to God, that does not work. In verses 23 and 24, notice that Elijah sets the terms. He says in verses 23 and 24, Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put no fire under it, and I will prepare the other bull, lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. In verse 24, Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call in the name of the Lord. And notice the God who answers by what? By what? By what? By fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, we agree it is well spoken. And the narrative says that uh, 
Elijah allowed them to go first. All morning, Baal's prophets called on their God and danced around his altar, seeking to arouse him, arouse him to action, seeking to get his attention. And the Bible says, run about noontime, Elijah couldn't help himself, and he began to taunt them. He began to mock their ineffectiveness. He suggested sarcastically that uh, perhaps Balaam was thinking about other things, or, or he was too busy, or, uh, or Baal was on a trip, or perhaps he was on a blind date. Well, he never said that. That was just me. But what's surprising is the response of the prophets of Baal to the non-response from Baal. They responded, neighbor, by increasing their fervor, upping the temple, and working themselves into a frenzy. The Bible says that they even started cutting themselves, seeking to appease Baal. And this spectacle went on for six hours. It's amazing what people will do in the name of religion. Years ago when I was a student, uh, Pastor Brian, I, I was working in a crusade in a rural part of Jamaica, and I was doing uh, a Bible work with this lady, and she, she knew the area. She was taking me through. We were going from house to house and, 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 and trying to invite people to the meetings and study with folks who came to the meetings. And, and one Sunday as we were doing this, I, I saw a woman coming towards us. She was dressed in all white. She had a white uh, turban on her head. She had a Bible in one hand, and she had a cane in the other. And I was curious about that, and, and so I asked the lady with whom I was working, I said, well, what's she going with that cane? She said, Brother Rose, she's going to beat them. I said, what do you mean beat them? She says, in their church, they lick the devil out of people. I said, what? You mean to tell me that grown adults allow themselves to be whipped by the preacher? She said, yes. And they go back the following Sunday? Yes. Let me tell you. I'm sure if Pastor O start whipping members, <laughs> the church would be empty, Amen. But, but it's amazing what people will do in the name of religion. They, they cried and they, they worked themselves up into a frenzy, even cutting themselves. And there was no response from Baal. And when it became obvious uh, to all that the prophets at Baal had failed, then we have our focus verse Elijah said to the people, now come near to me. And, and the people came near to him. And he began the, the process of restoration. He began to repair the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And the Bible continues with the narrative, verse 31 through to verse 39. The Bible says that Elijah took 12 stones according to the 12 tribes of Israel and, and declared that this was done in the name of the God of Israel. And he built, he rebuilt the altar of the Lord, our, the Lord their God. And he 
placed a trench around the altar. He placed a wood on the altar and sacrificed on the altar. And he dug a trench and filled it with, with water. And they drenched it once and they drenched it twice and they drenched it three times. He was upping the ante. He was making it more difficult because the God that we serve, he specializes in the difficult areas. The God that we serve, he specializes in what may seem impossible. And the Bible says in verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Notice, neighbor, that Elijah came near and notice he did not have to dance a jig. He did not have to cut himself. He did not have to scream himself hoarse, but he prayed a simple yet, yet powerful prayer to God. He says, Lord God of Abraham... Isaac and Israel, let it be known that this known this day that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, not for my own benefit, but that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And verse 38 says, then the fire of the Lord fell and the fire burnt up the sacrifice and burnt up the wood and burnt up the stone and burnt up the dust and licked up the water and God answered because the Lord God, he is God. God will always show up to vindicate his name and his cause. But neighbor, before we move into a season of prayer, I want, you to I want you to notice this as we close. Because the saga ends in verse 40. It ends with the ghastly execution, the ghastly slaying of the prophets of Baal. It ends with the slaying of the prophets of Baal. You see, in the Bible, prophets not only did not only prophesy. Prophets, watch this, they would speak into the life of the people. Prophets would give the people advice and guidance. They would take messages from God, and in the case of Baal, from Baal to the people. In other words, people would live their lives according to the word of the prophet. And so I want to ask you this question today. Whom are you listening to? Who has your ear? Could it be that, 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 that some of us at the end of the service need to go into the parking lot and have God execute those false prophets in our lives? And let me be clear, in 2023, I'm speaking metaphorically, amen? Not advocating for violence in the church parking lot, Amen. But as part of the restoration of true worship, 
the false prophets were slain. You see, neighbor, Elijah was not just calling the nation back to the altar of true worship. He was not only calling the nation back to regular, systematic, corporate worship, which was broken down, but watch this. He was calling them back to personal and family worship of God. Here it is, here it is. Before we can restore the broken altar of worship in the church, we must first restore the altar that's been broken down in our personal and family worship. And neighbor, I've come to appreciate that the, the quality of my personal worship impacts the quality of the corporate worship. The problem with too many of us is that we, we only depend on this time. We only use this time to interface with God. That for too many Christians, communion with God is a weakened affair. Listen, neighbor, God not only wants to commune with you on Sabbath, he wants to commune with you on Sunday and, and Monday and, and Tuesday and, and Wednesday and, and Thursday and Friday. God wants you to begin the day with him and end the day with him. I've come to appreciate that it is in those private moment and private spaces that God becomes more real to me. And so when I get into the corporate worship situation and the preacher is preaching and, 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 and the service is going on, I can connect with the God they're talking about because before I made my way to church, I had a little talk with Jesus. Before I came into the sanctuary, I had that one-on-one -on -one with him. And that makes the difference. As we close, I'm going to ask us all to stand. Ask us all to stand. And I'm going to ask you for the next two minutes just to turn to somebody and one of you will pray. One of you will pray. Make sure the person you're turning to, you know their name. One of you will pray. We'll do that for two minutes, just for two minutes. And here is what we're praying about. Here is what we're praying about. We're asking God to restore the personal altar in our lives. We're asking God, God, I want you to restore that personal time with you. I want you to restore, if it's not there, I want you to restore that personal time with you. I want you to pray that and then afterwards the praise team will, will sing that song at the altar. And then I'm going to ask my good friend and colleague, Pastor Brian, to close the service with prayer. But for the next two minutes, find somebody. Pray. The praise team will sing that beautiful song and Pastor Brian will pray us out. Let's do that right now.
because we're closing today. I wanted to add a few words for whatever problem that you're going through, for whatever situation that you're facing. God is always available. He's always listening. He's always there to help you. And he's telling you to come to the altar. He's telling you to come back home. Because his arms is are they're always wide open to receive you. No matter what this distance, no matter what the situation, God is telling you to come to the altar. yourself do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling let's sing it together then oh come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was born Precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus, Jesus is calling. Oh, come to. Oh, come to the altar. The
today the Bible says that everything that has breath praise God we have heard a mighty word from God today a word message that challenged us the truth is as we navigate this life there are many things that will come upon us that will seek to distract us from what is priority in our lives which is a worship to God and the enemy is trying his very best to break our altars down. And we must stand in the strength, in the power of Almighty God. Knowing that no weapon that's formed against us shall be able to prosper. We serve an amazing God. A God who wants to keep our altars intact. A God who wants to keep our families intact. A God who wants to keep our worship intact. And I read somewhere that greater is he that's in us. I wish I had a church in here. Than he that is in the world. And God wants us to make a decisive declaration today. That God by your grace and by your mercy. I want to make my altar be strong in you. Do I have a witness in here today? Is that your prayer? Is that your desire? Is that your determination? You've heard God's word today. And you are like some of us who have allowed the enemy to creep in. And in 2022, we have had broken altars. And maybe now in 2023, we still have broken down altars. And you are determined today to take a step of faith to come to this altar now. Leave your seat and say, God, I pray. One of two things. One, that God you will help me by your grace to keep my altar built strongly in you. Or secondly, 
you might say Lord I have allowed my altar to fall into ruins to fall into disrepair but I know that I serve an awesome God I got us able to recreate and restore my broken altar if that's you today falling in one of those two categories I invite you to come as together we go to God in prayer you're saying Lord help me to make my my altar to keep my altar intact or Lord my altar has been broken down it has fallen into disrepair and I'm giving my heart my life over back to you now asking you in 2023 to grant me the strength the power and determination by the grace of God that my altar that has been broken down might be rebuilt in God together as we go to our great and awesome God Jesus Jesus how I love thee how I've proved you over and over Jesus Jesus precious Jesus oh for grace to trust you more God we thank you for this awesome moment of prayer we thank you, God, first of all, for Jesus Christ, your son. We thank you, God, for allowing him to go to Calvary's cross, bear our sin penalty, our sin debt. He who was without sin became sin for us. Moses couldn't do it. Paul couldn't do it. Elijah couldn't do it. Jeremiah couldn't do it. None of the prophets of old could have done it. Holy God, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is the only one. And God, we kneel today in prayer, in thanksgiving. God, we intercede for ourselves and our family, oh God. We know the devil, the Bible says, he is like a roaring lion, seeking whomever he may devour. But God, we know today that greater is he that's in us, than he that is in the world and with God we are more than conquerors so father today we thank you thank you for the blood of Christ and God we come to you today with repentant hearts God in one way or another we have allowed our altars to be broken down God we have sinned we have fallen short God, we have taken worship for granted. We have taken our God for granted. God, we have sinned. Oh God, today, but we thank you that there is yet still a bomb in Gilead that heals a sin-sick soul. Though we come, God, realizing that we have allowed our altars to be broken down. We got so busy with work and so busy with school and so busy with family and so busy with the gym and so busy with the internet and so so busy with our lives. God, we have 
allowed our altars to be broken down. And God, today we come asking God for forgiveness. We ask your God today to forgive us of not giving you our very best. We seek your God today because God, we have not totally lived up to all that you require of us. But oh God, we thank you that you're still a loving God. We thank you, oh God, that the word of God declares that while we were yet sinners, Christ took the initiative, died for our sins. So Father, even with our faults and our failures, our mishap, our mistakes, God, we stand forgiven in the sight of God. God, we thank you that you have not condemned us because we have not fully lived up to everything you require. So God, I pray today that you may help us from this day forward, from this moment onward to, to, to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. God, help us not to seek the job first. Help us not to seek the money first and the house first and the material things of this life. God, you said if we seek you first, all of those things will follow as a, as a residual blessing from God. So Father, we thank you for the story of Elijah that God the prophets of Baal they called on their false God from morning to night and nothing happened but when Elijah stood, stepped forward and called upon your God the Bible says God came through in a miraculous way and God like you did for them you can and will do it for us so Father we thank you thank you God that we have come and we can stand now and now kneel forgiven and restored in the sight of our God so father we thank you help us oh God in this year 2023 to be so sold out to God to be so committed to our God that nothing the enemy sends our way will distract us from our worship to God. Rebuild our altars, God, we pray, and keep them intact so others may follow us as we follow after Jesus. God, we thank you now. Thank you for rebuilding our altars. Thank you for restoring our altars. And thank you for keeping our altars intact. This now, God, is our prayer. In Jesus' name, that all the saints of God declare, Amen. 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 This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.